Do it. Let's do this thing. Um, actually, I got a little. I got Prezi for you. Ooh. Ah, oh, you son of a bitch. A couple of non-alkies. Nothing goes better with a than zero point zero, baby. That's all you need. A couple of non-alcoholic beverages. Don't need any more than that. Can you a couple of bravos? Can you open my non-alcoholic beer, please? Yeah, I can do that for you. Delicious. This uh, this episode brought to you by Carlton Zero, hundred percent Carlton, zero point zero percent alcohol. <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything and nothing that I want. <laughs> Uh, this is Jeremy's Iron. We're back. We're back. Yep. Uh, it's a... It's been a week. Well, hold on. I need to do the intro. Okay. <laughs> this is Jeremy's Iron. Uh, yeah. what it's is a, it? <laughs> it's an evidence-based conversation between a biostatistician and a surgeon. Is How about it? that? <laughs> well, I think it is. <laughs> it's, it's a scientific, it is. it's a scientific conversation. Yeah, it is. Uh, not necessarily a conversation about science. <laughs> No, not not always. We talk about other things. <laughs> uh, with me, Justin DeBrogley. And me, Justin Rutherford. Very good. I'm glad we have someone who can join us in our anagram game. We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. Like, uh, Alec Guinness. So uh, today we're going to deal with a big topic. Vaccination. Vax. Vax. And, well, a little bit of anti-vax too. Are we going to talk about the anti-vax? Happy to. Of, yeah. There is so much to talk about. I um, I mean, look, I've studied vax stuff yep. like as a, as a med student and as a doctor, we deal with vaccinations and viruses and stuff. But I never, I never really dove deep into the history of it. And so I'm super stoked. There's some awesome stuff, I think, in the history of it and it just totally dwarfs all the anti-vax controversy. It's just a great topic. I'm excited. It's really cool. It's cool, dude. It's, just, it's really cool. You sound a little raspy, though. You got a little le- got a lem a sip, of, and I got, and my, got some lem sip and a non-alcoholic beer here, just to kind of you know, even from even my pipes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you won't need me to step in too much with this. I'm trying uh, to clean my pipes. On clean, air clean. Here. <laughs> Speaking of cleaning, I'll yeah. tell you what I've been doing recently. I've been trying to cleaning. get... Cleaning, exactly. Getting rid of a whole bunch of shit. I'm trying to minimize. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, it's not that I've been necessarily persuaded by the minimalist movement, movement yeah. but I started throwing away some stuff. Dude, how's, how good does it feel? It felt, it felt really good. I feel like I could get addicted to that. Just, have I used this in the last three years? No, no it's fucking gone. I got and- rid of 50 bucks today. <laughs> fell out have my, you used that? Fell out What's of my the pocket? Last yeah, you're like... I was like, you know what? I wasn't using it. <laughs> To move on. I got well in the same vein. I got rid of a whole bunch of like foreign coin. You don't need any kind dude. Of- oh, that's go. Cool. Yeah. So foreign for listeners- coins gone. I, I took them up to the, the lentils up the road. Mm-hmm. Gave them a whole bunch of foreign stuff. That's a really good idea. Yeah. They eventually um, somehow get rid of it. But that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. So I guess for listeners who don't know, uh, I guess you took a page out of my book, sort of, with this because I did a big cleanup in my life a few weeks ago. 
Yeah, you mean the listeners who haven't heard our private conversation some <laughs> some months ago? Yeah, all of them. I don't know what's been on air and what's not been anymore. I don't know where you and I begin and the show ends or vice versa. Yes. Yeah, uh, so I I've got a workshop. I cleaned it up. It it was just cathartic, exhausting, uh, but ultimately really good to get rid of all that stuff. And but coins, right? When you clean things up. Coins are like the remainder, like when you solve like long division, <laughs> right? It's like you do yeah. all this cleaning, you find a space for everything, everything's fitting, you've gone, this, stuff is definitely garbage, stuff is definitely like fits here, a box that fits right there. You do the whole Tetris <laughs> of your life, it's incredible. Yeah. And then you just have coins from, coins you, you, and bills you from. And then under the line? Then you little R, and my R is yep. like coins, coins from Vietnam, some Chinese currency from yep. layovers. And, some Dong. And, and, Pudong, you know, and then you just don't, I don't know what to do with this. And then what happens, you throw into a box to be added to the next batch of coins you find in five years. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, ne- I'm never touching these coins. I've got coins ever. from countries no. I've never been to. My mate from France, I gave him eight euro. He was pretty happy with that. I wasn't that's a really nice, that's a really nice well, gesture. Well, I can't see myself going to Europe in the next little while. We're need, going to Europe next year. That. Shit, we are too. <laughs> We're literally making Wait, plans does, to go to Europe in like six months. Does, does the Ukraine take euro? Ooh, I don't know. Are they in Eurovision? I think they are. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think they're linked. I'm pretty sure, like <laughs> that, that's not how it works. No. Oh, you're otherwise we'd be on the Euro now Correct. too. <laughs> Correct. And we Israel. would definitely be uh, into the economic zone as well as the that should pop be a, that should be like zone. the um you want you want to join Eurovision? You got to join the Euro. the Euro. Oh my God, how strong would that that would be yeah. a, a measure of strength of the whole economic community? Mm-hmm. The Eurovision Empire. Hmm. All right, well, what we do on this podcast is we talk about uh, a whole bunch of science stuff, yeah. uh, evidence in particular. We, mm-hmm. we put, uh, I guess, current events through the lens of scientific rigor. Yeah, as we, co- as we come across it, right? Yeah, and so... It's a dialogue. We often look at most... We, we look at uh, recent developments in scientific research, or yep. recent developments in science. Yeah, uh, we do that. Yep, particular uh, articles... We're also going to be going back in time and looking at some uh, articles of importance historically. Yeah, some landmark. I'm excited to do some of that stuff. I, yeah. I really don't know. Like, I think between us, we hopefully will be able to learn a lot about. Uh, I think so. Yeah, landmark. There's a lot of other ecological we don't know. studies. Yeah, biological. I, I did a search actually last week looking for content. Right, so I was content trolling, and I found a link to the like hundred most cited nature articles uh ever yeah and i was like dude this is gonna be like just a fertile ground for for like for radio content right That's amazing for radcon yeah uh unfortunately they're so dry right they are all like advancements in dna like methylation yeah studies. That's and it's, the it's like you know analysis of guanine synthesis in a whatever like there's just <laughs> there is no conversation it's, it's actually to be quite had. funny when, when i'm when i'm looking for top- all of them are that when i'm looking for topics for this yeah. for the show right There'll be a top, there'll be a, a, a paper that comes out that's got a lot of like you know genetic sequencing or something like that, and yeah. I look at it and I go, you know what? Our listeners won't be able to understand this. No. Meanwhile, I'll be like, I have no idea. What I have no idea what's going on. I was, I was like, skip, uh, skip, no, skip, skip. I would for think our listeners' sake, I feel like this we should, news we don't need. No, look, they can. No need know. to call it, confuse our listeners. No. no Let's talk is, about monkeys. I got one coming up about monkeys. Oh yeah, I love yeah. monkeys. <laughs> it's easier. So a monkey like- brain can understand monkeys. <laughs> Yes, and we have two very, very fertile monkey brains. Uh huh. Um, so let's do a, a, our little segment we like to do called News Just In. Yep. Let's where do it. I go through a bunch of new research and we chat about them 
mm-hmm. in rapid succession, machine yeah. gun style. Not, but maybe not. If there's a good one, we might dwell. That's how we do it. So, uh, we should probably explain what this is. This is News Just In. Uh, A quick rundown of the news in science. Yep. Uh, The big headlines from the journals around the world. Read by me and you. Well, Well, read by me and responded to by you. Responded to by me. All right. So, uh, first one up. News Just In. Immigrating to the US destroys your biome, apparently. Um, It's been shown... Really? From where? Well, it's about gut, gut bacteria. Essentially, it's uh-huh. been shown that before, uh, it's been shown that people in developing nations have a much greater diversity of bacteria in their butt, in their butt <laughs> microbiome. <laughs> Did you say in their, in their butt? butt microbiome? No, in their gut yeah. microbiome. Right. Um, so the quote from here, from the research is, we found that immigrants begin losing their native microbes almost immediately after arriving in the US. Yeah. Uh, they acquire alien microbes i'll tell you when i was in india i had a florid gut microbiome (laughs) yeah which i which i summarily lost on return to australia um i I would definitely believe that and i guess it kind of shows that the west well presumably the western diet particularly in the states although i kind of no i feel like australia might be better than the states but certainly the states reduces the diversity of gut microflora by that yeah yeah i buy that and, you know, they have, like, more yogurty things also in some other countries and fermented things and, like, you know, that's all... Aryan. Have you ever had Aryan? No, I, I know what it is. That's the Turkish yeah. milk drink. It, it looks so disgusting. It looks pretty bad. Apologies I, to all our Turk listeners out there. Yeah. But it just looks so foul. <laughs> uh, you, you know I'm already, like, on the fans with dairy as it is. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. anyone who's trying to repackage old dairy, I'm not falling for it. But, no, I'm with you, too. Like, I've told you my theory about, like, uh, like sour cream, right? You throw a milk away when it goes sour, and then you go to the grocery store and buy sour cream. Come on. What's that about? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. I don't buy it either. No. no. <laughs> well, now, that now that I'm dairy-free, I can't do it. Yeah, you're with me. Yeah. You're, you're reluctantly in my boat. Yeah, and your boat floating on a dairy-free sea. With a microbiome. With that's a microbiome. Like, that with is like the a... cleanest, most simple <laughs> microbiome there is. I'll have you know, though, I have just ordered a gut microflora test. A gut oh, micro, yeah. micro. How do you do that? Shit in a bag and then send it across, <laughs> oh, send it across the ocean that's to the states. That's what I thought it might yeah. be. Yeah, really. That's all I do. Uh, my part's easy. That's their part that they. Would you consider a fecal transplant if that came up? If they were like, "This is really interesting. We've got your, we've analyzed your, your, uh, your feces and your, your microbiome. <laughs> you are deficient in whatever, whatever. Yeah. The treatment for this, um, the evidence suggests that you'd be better off if we give you a fecal transplant. Which is the thing, right? Like that's our listeners would probably know. This is no longer a joke. You know, we're all. Aware of fecal transplants being a thing. What? Wait, I don't understand. What is a fecal transplant? You, they take um, poop from somebody else and they put it inside your bum. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that. No, no, it's a, dude, it's a big thing. And um, I guess the the, the floras all yeah, get along and it's, they it's, it's like it's like a bread culture, right? Yeah. Okay. And so there's it's like a start a starter culture. Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, so and you could be of, like you're. you're Eating a lot of good yogurt there, my friend. <laughs> Whatever it is they're eating. I don't, I don't want to eat the yogurt, but uh, <laughs> we can, can do this. It. <laughs> we can do this the back way. Yeah. 
There's a there's a there's a back back door to you getting your dairy. Uh, yeah, so that's a real that's a thing. Um, we can talk about that one day, maybe in depth, because I think it's quite interesting. Well, when I get my results, I'll let I'll uh, let our listeners know. About but you're, what's happening you're going down the path to finding out that that is what you might need. Actually, I think with that test. Well, I'm curious. I, I the curiosity got me. Um, I've noticed when I eat particular things, it has yeah. effects on my brains and Makes sense. Uh, my health generally. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's find out what's going on. And if they've got any recommendations, like donate this and eat that, give it a go. If it works for me, great. If it doesn't. They'll be like, you can't have cheese. You I can't have one. any milk. And you have to put someone else's poop in your butt every week. But you do have to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. 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 Do I get to choose who? I would, I would be a poop donor for you. If that's what it came up. Just so you know. Is it on your license? I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would give you a kidney, but I would definitely give you feces if, it, if that was if I was a match. I appreciate that very much. No problem. Uh, news just in: yeah. primates of Monkeys. the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, analysis of recently extinct monkey, uh, the Xenothrix, which is a great metal which, band name. Which Xenothrix? It's really good. With the next. So that would mean different or foreign. What's Thrix? Are you going to do an etym- etymological breakdown? Yeah, I'm a big fan of etymology. Uh, I couldn't do it for you. Let me finish the, the headlines. Uh-huh. Uh, analysis of the recently extinct, extinct monkey, Xenothrix, reveals it's most closely related to the South American Titi monkey and underwent a radical change upon landing on the island of Jamaica. So there's a, uh, this Xenothrix is native to Jamaica or was native to Jamaica before yeah. it went extinct. When? Uh, only a couple hundred years ago. Okay. So due to humans, presumably. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the monkey that it's closest related to comes from the South American mainland. Titi monkey. Right? The Titi monkey, right? Yeah. Now, this is where I have a bone to pick with science generally. I'm pretty pissed off with science. Okay. Because the theory is that 11 million years ago, yeah. some monkey on the South American mainland... Yeah. Which, by the way, would be a New World monkey. Okay. As opposed to Old World monkey. I don't really care what kind of fucking monkey it is. It Just jumps... It, it is on a tree. Yeah. The tree branch falls in the ocean... Yeah. It then just lets whatever the, the currents take it. It's, it's about 500 or 600 kilometers. I had a look on, I had a look on Google Maps and yeah. I even went onto a, a GIF of plate move, plate tectonic movements over the last so you, like 10, 11 million you years. You don't buy it. Well, I'm thinking from a person who's religious, a perspective of someone who's religious and they always try which to Which you're like, not, but you're, which you're assuming not. it. Yeah. But Okay, they'll say, you know, oh, you know, what created the Big Bang kind of thing? And you're like, well, that's a stupid question or whatever. And they've got all these kind of gotchas that are not gotchas. Sure. But if they said, oh, so you believe like a monkey just jumped on a log from South America and just coasted by itself. 600 miles. 600 miles. And then another one did the same thing. Well, it, uh, either it was pregnant or there yeah. were two monkeys or... Well, like, even if it's pregnant, that would, that would assume... And then they incest, incest instantly. And it creates a whole new breed of monkeys. Retarded like, monkeys. Yeah. It's good one. Science. Yeah. That, that's nope. the argument. That is the argument for me. That Yeah. They broke it. They broke the Xenothrix's back. You're done. You're barking up the wrong tree doing the... Um... Jeremy's iron is folded. We're done with science. <laughs> yeah. It's all made up. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. So the, that was the first... Uh, the first point of the paper. Mm-hmm. The second being that there's uh, the unusual ecology of islands dramatically influence uh, animal evolution. So right. it was a particularly strange looking monkey. Um, there are pictures of it. You can go have a look at it. Okay. Um, it doesn't look like many other monkeys. Can you describe it to me? Um, I actually don't know. I had a look at it. 
Um, but my little crib notes I've made for myself didn't describe it. Did but. it have a tail? I think most new world monkeys have tails. Uh, I'll have a look at it a bit later. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Okay. Um, news just in. Yeah. Finally, the T genome is sequenced. Oh, no way. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Forget solving global warming or... And people are probably thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. Which T? Darjeeling? The- Earl Grey? All the same. Lady Grey? All the same. They are. Exactly. They're all the same. Do you know the scientific name Fermented. for tea? It is... If you get this, I... Chamomilla... Census? It's so close. I will let you <laughs> inject samples of your feces in mine. <laughs> if you get this. You're very close. Yeah. I'm uh, impressed. Camellia um, sinensis. Sinensis. Oh, dude, sinensis. I was like, yeah. I had it, right? It's pretty good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so it's all the same tea, right? It's all the same leaves. I learned this years ago. Yep. Green tea... Matcha tea, jasmine tea, oolong, mm-hmm. all the same leaf. It is. And so the... the and if it's not, it's not tea. No. Well, no, they're all tea. They're all... No, but if it's not that leaf. That's right. It's yeah. not tea. So all these kind of like herbal kind of... They're drinks, herbal drinks. So my dandelion... Herbal drink. Drink is a drink. It's not <laughs> yeah, a tea. dandelion drank. Uh, anyway, the assembling of this genome took them five years. It's complicated. Yeah. How uh, close is it to human? Is it like, is it like you know, uh, Camellia uh, census is uh, 97%. Oh, we shared 97% of our genes with the T yeah. genome. Is it like that or is it not that close? Uh, I, I presume it's, they're all like 90 something, right? I know. It's going to be 97. Because like- the fact is, right, when people say, they, they usually use it for our closest like primate relatives. Yeah. And then they use it for something else to show you, oh, we're surprisingly close to something else. You go, oh, we're actually, we're a lot closer to rats. To a Hessian bag. Or, and then yeah. I think, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? When you actually do the analysis with the Hessian bag, yeah. it's still really goddamn similar. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it actually totally undermines how impressive the point of those statements is. Huh. When it's like, you know, we're, we're 92% rat. You're like, well, yeah, we're 91% like glad rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever. Um, we're really sticking to the science today. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting technical with our science. Yeah. We're making sure that no fact goes uh, unspoiled. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, the, the different tastes of the varying teas have something to do with retrotransposition. Oh, tell me more. Do you know about that? No. So, this is a genetic thing, which yeah. is, you know, our, our, our listeners don't need to bother with this, with no. this kind of level of technicality, you know? Yeah, we're, we're not. In other words, like, I didn't really understand what they were trying to say. I know what the a translocation of- is, but I don't know what a transposition is. Well, apparently part of the gene um, essentially gets reproduced yeah. where it shouldn't be. So mm-hmm. in the replication process, which they think was exacerbated from the actual cultivation of the plant by humans. And yeah, so right. So it's a, it's a selection breeding. That's right. But because of the, this retro transposition, mm-hmm. same bits of the genetic code get printed on other parts and it expands the genet- genetic code quite yeah. considerably. Uh-huh. So the T genome is actually four times larger than the um, genome for caffeine, for coffee, apparently. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And it's because of the continual, presumably the continual cultivation, the cutting off the, you mm-hmm. know, um, I'm not We've made a real mess of the T genome, basically. And that mess is providing different flavonoids, different levels of the, okay. the strength of the, the caffeine in it. Right. And the strength of um, the sort of tea Flavor the bitterness. The, yeah, yeah, right. The tannins. Yeah. Tannins, I think, is a good one. So, what oh, we no, it's actually called catachin. Uh, catachin. 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 That's, that's the catachin. Catachin's the tea flavor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what we've done to tea is like what we've done to like the, um, the wiener dog. 
right? Yeah, exactly. Like we, just, we just totally just we've ultimately made something that just makes no sense. We just just and now there's so many varieties. Yeah, and everyone's got their favorite. <laughs> exactly. Uh, news just in. This one comes from the Journal of Duh. Oh yeah, a journal we like citing here. Yeah, <laughs> courtesy of Norm Macdonald. Yeah. Um, social media use increases depression and loneliness. Yeah, I think I read study this finds too. university yeah. from University of Pennsylvania. Uh, this is from the journal. Not social- the best university, I'm going to say. <laughs> I actually don't know. So the the subtext is Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. It'd be funny if it was like um, MySpace and. <laughs> 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 study spanning 10 years um facebook snapchat and instagram lost a follow-up may not yeah may not be great for personal well-being says the study uh the first experimental study examining the uh, use of multiple platforms shows a causal link between time spent on social media and increased depression and loneliness mm-hmm. and oh, well, we know someone that. We well know that. But i thought i read that and i thought it was a it was a nice simple study that they did which where they limited people they made them choose their time they could use it for they had like two like, like two or three wings to the group and um one group could use it as much as they wanted and one group had to had like 10 minutes a day they could use and it was all tracked oh look i'm glad you read into it because i was like this is just i read it. i thought it was, i read i read uh, i think i actually read the paper i thought it was interesting all right um, that's good well you're you're, you're and they showed so they showed a, a yeah they showed a, a definite benefit to people's moods um particularly people who walked into the study already with some depression or some issues of loneliness, mm. it was exacerbated significantly by using um, like unmitigated social media access. Yeah. Um, but this is a story which, this is a, we a yeah. We know, but it's good to have numbers thrown to it, I think, you know, like it's nice to quantify it. I liked it. Um, I have very little social media use. You are the same as me. Yeah. This is actually a big hindrance for us. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. We have this, no way of promoting the show. Nope. Um, but what we will do yeah. and what, what I should have done before this episode was yeah. to get a Gmail account so, or get an account, uh, email account so uh-huh. people can uh, correspond. Yeah, okay. Because we, we, we used to have a Twitter. Well, I still have a Twitter. I don't want to use it. I'm over You it. know what? Twitter's we'll, gone. We'll do it after this show. Send your questions to Jeremy's Iron Podcast at gmail.com. I'm sure it's not taken. Jeremy's Iron Podcast? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Jeremy's Iron Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And we will answer, we, we will read every single email. Absolutely. And you, for the time being, we'll respond. Verbatim. You can get us to say whatever you want. And we'll respond yeah. to it at length. <laughs> because we're lonely. And we really want to talk to someone. But that's it. I think that'll do for our uh, news, Justin. Yeah, it was good. Yep. It was good. So uh, stick around. That's uh, all the is, good science from this week. Oh, it's all the good science. It's all you need to know. Our video content ceases here, but uh, feel free to check out Jeremy's Iron. And keep listening. The podcast, uh, which is up, confusingly enough. On every Thursday, zstatistics.com, <laughs> <laughs> which you'll find, or you can just type it into Google, type Jeremy's Iron Podcast, you'll find you'll it. You'll find us. Uh, and we're going to continue after this little musical interlude talking about vaccination. Let's do it. Whoop.
And we are back. I'm back. Okay. So we're going to talk about vaccination. Yep. And uh, I think we will get to the anti-vax sort of debacle. Yep. But I think let's just talk a little bit about vaccination. Now, what do you know? Me. About vaccine. What, what do you know? Give me, give me what you got. You haven't done any pre-reading for this, or not? No, I'm coming in pretty cold. Yeah, that's I'm coming good. In cold. Okay. Um, but what? What? Give, give me some parameters. Like what? What okay, do I well, know about like the the you know? Um, okay. What do you prevalence know? of? Well, no. What, how does it work? What is it? Okay, so you get injected. Yeah. Is, well, I guess you can get it done at any age, but yeah. I guess in the media, it often gets talked about as. Babies getting injected. Yeah, sure. Because obviously, the earlier you get vaccinated, that's right. So my 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 loose scientific understanding, or vague Mm -hmm. scientific understanding, is you get injected with a basically a a form of the actual disease that's been um, affected in some way, so that it can't effectively um, reproduce in your body to the extent that it would provide you with the disease. But your body gets then used to the genetic coding of that disease, knows it's a bad thing. It's essentially a doctored version of that disease that allows your body to de- defeat it, and then your body then recognizes yeah. that genetic code. And if you ever get exposed to that, the real deal, your body knows to get rid of it before it can actually yeah. fully so, generate in your that's body. That's right. So the way it works is that your body... Um, so out of, t- out of 10 in a loose... No, that, that's it. I'd, I'd give you a strong eight. All right. Okay. You know, yeah, you got the gist of it. So we have immune systems, right? And yeah. there's, and the body is actually quite complicated. We have different kinds of immune systems. So they're all working kind of at the same time and they do different things. So you have an immune system that's sort of like a wall on one level, which is like, it just attacks anything that it recognizes being, uh, there's certain like hallmarks of certain uh, diseases that you would immediately attack, right? So your body tries to get rid of those, just carte blanche, there's not a real, uh, not a specific targeted attack on those guys. You also have an immune system response, um, which when you get, say, infected by something, yep. so you come in contact, so your body, we'll get a bit of lingo out of the way. So you might have heard of antibodies and antigens. Antibiotics, did you say? Antibodies. Antibodies, yeah. yeah so yeah. antibodies, and you have antigens. I haven't heard of antigens. T-I-G-E-N, so. Antigens. Antigen. Ah, okay, right, yep. Yeah, so... You, an antigen, A-N-T-I-G-E-N, yep. antigen, um, is a little something on top of a tag of some sort on a cell. It could be just by itself. Something that your body uses to recognize things. It's like the uh, like the barcode. Okay. On It could be on a living thing. It cannot be necessarily a living thing, right? Um, so it's more like a protein in that way. But it's something. It's a tag that the body can use to recognize. No, all of our cells have antigen proteins on them right and your body is right. used to knowing what it is which antigens it has what what antigens so are kind of have your hallmark on cell them. that's gonna it'll just be like yeah this is this is justin these are justin cells oh okay so all of them have the same justin barcode yeah like, these are justin cells yeah right um we recognize this and we won't attack these cells anything that's new typically should be something that's different to you Right, and so that could be someone else's cells, but it could be a bacteria, it could be a parasite, it could be something else, right? Yeah. And the body will then see those, and it will usually what happens is someone else's fecal matter, for someone example. Someone else's fecal matter, yeah. yeah. Uh, your body will learn what it is, recognize that it's something that's not its own. Now, while it's doing that, it's actually also it's infected, right? So it's also 
you're technically that, that foreign barcode might also be reproducing at the same time. Right? Yeah, That's yeah, like it's coming in, it's doing its thing while your body is kind of, you know, who's this guy? Picking up its bundle and yeah. what's going on, and it slowly mounts an immune response. And it learns what's it and what's not it, and it starts to attack those. And has multiple methods of actually attacking these these cells, um, or these these organisms, or whatever it is. So that's a kind of a crash course on immunity and how it all works. Yep. Um, now this immunity, once, you, once your body's recognized one of these strange antigens, um, what happens is you have like billions of these immune cells, your white cells circulating through your body, right? Yep. Um, and they're all reproducing randomly and each of these cells produces antibodies. And typically what happens, at least my understanding is that sometimes it, all, the odds are one of these antibodies you have, one of these cells that produces these random antibodies, will recognize an antigen and have sort of a thing built for it to attack it. And then if, you, if they can mate, if you find in that body a cell that produces antibodies that kind of know how to recognize one of these strange proteins in your body, it'll then make clones of itself and of these antibodies. So the, all right. So the actual antibodies get cloned. The cells will get cloned and produce the antibodies. Gotcha. Oh, right? yeah. And the antibodies go and stick onto these antigens to kind of latch onto them and they tag it as being like a tagged foreign thing and then your body goes and attacks those things. So it's kind of it's like it's like swimming between the flags, right? You kinda of put his hand up and so we found one and then your body goes and attacks it. Interesting. And once that's happened, once you've identified one of these strange proteins, um, your body remembers it in the future yeah it's learned it's kind of it gets a shortcut and it kind of stores that on its hard drive and so when you see it again it can mount that reaction a lot faster and is it is it just a question of speed so so that extra speed that you then have prevents whatever evil deeds that that other guy was going to be doing right yeah whatever dastardly activity so yeah so the first time you get infected you get infected worse because your body takes a bit of time to kind of figure it all out and come up with a good algorithm for attacking this thing um, but the second time, it's like, I know this guy. Oh, yeah. I've seen him before. Uh, I've, 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 seen, seen, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen you hanging around here before. Yeah. And last time, last time uh, I did this, and this guy rid of him pretty good. Yeah. And so I'll just do that again. And the idea is that, you know, because every time you reproduce, every reproduction cycle doubles the amount of the organism that's in your body. Yep. And so, obviously, the faster you get in, it's it's like a logarithmic. Like, it's, it's exponential. Oh, yeah, sure. The difference in time, right? So, the faster you can get it, you can just kind of curb a huge infection really, really quickly. So, that's the idea. And so what you would do is with vaccination is we give someone, yeah, either a, a, um, a version of that protein or that organism. So say it's, it's a virus. Yep. So um, we give them a, a deactivated version of it um, or a really um, sort of low strength version of it. So an, a live version of it, but one they can't really infect. So it's still alive, but it's not really, it's been kind of has it's been neutered and so and how, how fail safe would those neuterings be i mean obviously clearly the answer is very very fail safe but like on a molecular level how do they know that this is definitely not um, going to get out of hand in the person's body that's a good question i don't know um because the live ones obviously work better than the dead ones so the the deactivated the, the denatured proteins or the, right. the 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 dead ones are Useful, but not as good as what I think what they call the live attenuated vaccines, which is the yeah. the living ones, but the neutered ones. Um, don't know science. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we just do it real good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so guess that's that's how it works, right? Do you know anything about um, when we first started vaccinating people? No, I've got do no, any the history. Do any I have names? No, no names come up for you at all? Uh, I feel like there should be. 
I, at some point, I learned about the original sort of... Me too. And like, but I've forgotten. I had Pasteur in my head. Yeah. And I think I knew Edward Jenner was involved in the, the, in the, in the vaccines. Yeah. Um, but that was it. And I was like, okay, cool. So, and I knew that... I went to the Pasteur Museum in France a couple years ago, which yeah. is his, actually in his lab in Paris. And it was really, really cool. And there's all the stuff about him and like vaccinations and rabies and stuff. And it was like, it was awesome. So I, I kind of really thought that he was like the father of... Uh, vaccination because he did the pasteurizing milk yeah. so he was big into like you know sort of you know pathogens and bacteria and all this kind of he stuff he was the original lucky louis uh, yeah sure <laughs> yeah yeah sure um anyway so i was like it's pester he's, he's he's probably the main dude yeah not actually at all no so here's the thing, here's what gets really interesting Hit me. So if you understand, like I just explained, a bit about how our immune system works. Oh, I'm an expert now. Thanks. Now you are, yeah? Yep. And you understand how what we do sort of tricks it into... Responding. Responding and, and developing yeah. this permanent immune. So we, have, we kind of control the infection. We give you a controlled infection, and then, we can, then you can kind of mount that immune system response. Well, we've had some version of vaccination since... I think the data I have here is... Possibly going back to 1693. What? This, this would be well before they could actually see well before what's going Europe. on. And... So this is what's so cool about this, right? Is that we've spoken um, a couple times about Eastern medicine. And it's not that we've rubbished Eastern medicine. But I think what we've tried to get across is that... Yeah. No, no. Keep going. Is that if it works... We no longer call it Eastern medicine. We just call it medicine. medicine that's right. right? So <laughs> well, it's yeah, not. It's I no guess. longer. It's only alternative if it doesn't work. But I can. I, I might be seeing where this is going, mm-hmm. and it's got something to do with the idea of trying to increase your fortitude by exposure to the beast, almost. And is it something along those lines where they kind of go, "All right, this thing's killing us. What you got to do is just get a little bit of it. Get used and, to it. Yeah, I can see that almost from a. Well, you know, a non-scientific point of view entering into... Well, yeah, and we spoke about this with the acupuncture episode, right? Which yeah. is, I think I granted, even though we know it doesn't work and doesn't seem to work with, with when it's studied, I granted them the possibility that it could have worked if it was some sort of a heuristic they developed for whatever reason, and they found out that it seemed to work, but they didn't know why it works. So the reasoning may not have been right, but they may have stumbled across something that actually was quite good. Sure. Turns out for acupuncture, they did not. Yeah. It just... The logic made no sense, and it didn't work. Sure. But they actually came across something. We call it now um, variolation was the technique that they used. Right. Um, and what they would do, and they was described pretty well, and like they would take smallpox, by the way. We all talk about we got rid of smallpox, and smallpox is used as like a major example of like how we can eradicate a major disease mm-hmm. using vaccination. Mm-hmm. If we go way back, it's all about smallpox. Smallpox has been caused as like nipping at our heels for like thousands of years, right? And every wow. single attempt to like eradicate major disease is pretty much smallpox. It was just like, it was a serious bastard for the human race. Okay. So in China, they, what they do is they take like, when you get smallpox, it's like having chicken pox, but a really, really, really bad version of it, right? And so you might get like little crusty sores or like stuff like that. So what they would do is they would take the sores from someone who had what seemed to be a like a milder version of the disease. Yep. And they had a very clear like technique for how they would store it and how they would process those scabs. And it's all written down really, really clearly. Now they don't know what they didn't know why they were doing it, other than it had something to do with like some theory about like um like germination theories. Like for them it was like a, it was like a plant. It was all kind of it was alchemy like, almost, right? Yeah, it was like a seed in a garden. And yeah. they had this idea that that's how elements and like Yeah. 
So they didn't really know what they were doing, but it seemed to have actually worked. And when they gave, what they do is they'd store the little scab from someone's like you know crusty thing, and they would um, kind of wrap it in like cotton. They'd kind of pulverize it and like wrap it in cotton wool, mm. and they get people to. Um, I'm picturing almost like. <laughs> They're going to put it in a witch's brew or something. Yeah, and you need basically. Like, yeah. you know, it's the kind of thing you see. Some like, sacrifice. Yeah. And... It's like, like Arthurian legend type stuff, right? Like medieval. <laughs> yeah. And they, they'd, they'd grind it up and they'd give it to, the, to someone who wasn't infected. And the idea is that they would never get infected after that. And so that was like in China, like 400 years ago. 400 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So 1693. That's really cool. And so, or they would even put like a cotton plug just in the nose of someone who was diseased. And they would take that plug out, like a little cotton ball. And they could then give that... To someone else after letting it sit for a couple of days, yeah. and like to like germinate. That's a tough. That's a tough sell to be the first person to get that yeah. that treatment put on, right? If, if you're saying like this guy's got the disease, how about we just give it to you? You're we're like, gonna let the disease fester out for like three or four days. Well, what they found was if they like you, you definitely wouldn't because that's how you catch it, right? Like yeah. if you go near someone, yeah, if you like it's airborne. So if you go and take something out of someone's nose and put it in your nose, you're like, no, that's. Definitely how no, I get the disease. I'm not being part of this. No. <laughs> Sorry, Eastern medicine. <laughs> I think this is about as crazy as acupuncture. I think uh, Dennis wants to give it a go, though. <laughs> yeah, he's not looking so good. Um, but what they would do is they figured out that if they took the scab or the, the, something out of someone's nose and they kept it like in a glass jar for a couple of days, it would lose its potency to the point where it was just barely contagious okay and then they would just give you this like so it was from a mild person but again, the, the idea that they found this out that oh, it's well, less potent is that tons of people died that's right like, <laughs> tons this is, this is a trial and error where the error is death right? and it was maybe as much the cause of the circulation of smallpox <laughs> as it ultimately <laughs> became the cure yeah, that's right all like, their attempts spread the disease uh, to like three uh, different uh, continents I would love if it was like just not that big a deal it was like only a couple guys had it and someone was like I'm gonna get rid of this I've got an idea <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like no I really need to get rid of this it's called herd immunity we're gonna yeah. all get the disease <laughs> I've made a huge mistake yeah. <laughs> I think so uh, yeah so the, and the, your idea had to do the yin and yang and balancing the you know yeah. all these chi yeah, yeah. things but obviously does it, uh, but sometimes it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. sometimes it doesn't matter right they observed the ends for, were true and the means might right. have been well the, the intentions might have been incorrect but the, the results were so the Scoreboard, next, bitches. The next major record we have is about 1742, and the Turks were doing something very similar. Um, this is the second time the Turks have come up in this oh. podcast. Hello again to our Turkish the listeners. Turks are sitting back Mechaba. there, drinking their Ariane, listening to their Turkish psychedelic music yeah. that you love so much. <laughs> I do. And uh, so Voltaire, famous French writer, uh, 1742, he wrote down an account of what the Turks were doing to cure smallpox. And they're doing the same thing. They would take, um, they would take a little pustule, like a little scab from some from a ki- one kid that had it, and they would make a small cut in the arm of another child who didn't have it, and they would just rub in a bit of that scab into the arm, into the very kind of shallow cut in someone's arm. Same idea. They give them just a tiny little bit of the disease, um, and generally they found that it worked really well. Um, and so this was, again was a sort of Eastern thing, um, but then this dude. Dr. Emanuel Timoni. Tim, Timoni. Timoni, maybe. Oh, he, he wrote about it. So he wrote about it in a paper, mm-hmm. in a scientific paper um, called Philosophical Transactions. Um, and this was actually, I think, the date I have is 1714, so all around the same time. And it's that still was. phenomenally early. Yeah, stuff, crazy yeah. early, right? And this was seen, so he was an Italian guy. So this is the first European account of 
record of what was happening over there, but not much was thought about it. And then this lady, her name is Lady Mary Wardley Montague. Pretty good English, right? So her family had been just ravaged by smallpox. So right. She had gotten it. Like she, her face was all scarred. or She lost like a couple brothers to it. Um, and she had a couple kids, and she did not really was terrified her kids would get it. Yeah. And so she read about, she read this paper. And um, she started to um, kind of advocate for using this treatment in Europe, in England, to kind of prevent smallpox. So what they did next was like so unethical. They took six prisoners and said, you can be a part of this test where we're going to try and give you, try and cure you, you of, or sorry about that, not cure. Vaccinate you. Vaccinate you, virulate you against smallpox. Right. Um, if you get it, then you're going to die. If you, or maybe die, or you just be disfigured by smallpox. Yeah. But if you survive, you can go free. And all six men went free. Oh my God. They're That's all, a great story. Isn't that, that is good? an amazing scientific yeah. story. Yeah. I mean, crazy unethical, but yeah. so cool, right? The one guy that decided not to be part of the study would be like, shit. <laughs> He's like, no, that sounds crazy. <laughs> he was an anti-var. I mean, look, the food's not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. He was an anti-variolationist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I don't no. want autism. I don't, yeah. <laughs> and then someone said, "What's autism?" Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Don't worry about it." And he went back and played with his feather for three hours. <laughs> so, um, so that was pretty cool. Then the king, King George the Third, this is all around the same time. Yeah. It was like, well, this is great. I don't want any of my heirs getting um, smallpox, so I'm going to variolate my children against it. And his eighth son, Octavius died from getting it right from the actual variolation. i think i think when i read it was from the the process right. yeah so he got which would have been box. clandestine he was like three years old or something yeah right so that didn't but this was all sort of like rough and ready kind of well this just, sort of kicked yeah, off yeah give it a crack and, and this hopefully. kicked off the first wave of sort of anti-vax movement okay, right because right. suddenly it was like oh this is initially it was it was awesome right six guys go free no one's getting yeah. smallpox we fixed it and who would have ever thought in seventeen like in the seventeen hundreds they would have cured anything? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they knew nothing about nothing. Yeah, but here they are. They've actually literally maybe about to cure smallpox, and then King uh, King George is like, no, this is actually really dangerous and not well regulated, because the idea is you actually are giving someone live the smallpox. Disease. Yeah, and so the problem is that there was a, a lot of um, it was pretty unreliable, right? There's a lot of problems with, with giving someone smallpox, as you'd imagine. Um, the first problem is you may give them too big a dose. If you cut them too deeply in these little cuts in the arm, you might, like, the idea is just to make them just give them a little blush of the disease, right? Just let the body, just get a sniff of it, just enough to get the immune response, but not enough of a load of the actual virus that they really get a, so you kind of try and tip the balance of, the, of that battle of course. in the body's yeah. favor. But if you give them too much of the virus, the virus takes over. The virus can take over before you can mount your immune response to it. Yeah. So then you can, you'll, probably, you'll, you'll just get smallpox. Um, I just find it incredible that because it is you do actually yeah. get, you do get a version of smallpox with all of these techniques. It's just a small enough version of it that you can defeat it with a standard immune reaction, which then gives you lifelong protection against it. Hmm. So you got to defeat the baby one, the little, little boss, before you can kind of the, be immune boss, against right. like King Koopa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, so that was pretty cool. So then, but there's some kind of growing uh, sort of dissent um, amongst the people because it was a bit dangerous. The other thing that was really interesting is why it may have been um, dangerous is, so yeah, obviously you give some smallpox, it's not going to be good. What if you gave someone 
what you thought was a mild version of smallpox, but was actually a different disease, like chickenpox. Oh, I see. Because so you, you're just you, cutting off someone's scab. And well, if you're, look, if you're looking for people who are going around with a mild version of smallpox, yeah, you might see someone who just has chickenpox, which right. has also been. It's a very similar disease. Yeah. And you might be like, oh, that just got a small, a mild version. No, he does have a mild version, but a mild version of a different disease, yeah. um, which means it would give you no protection against smallpox. So you go around, you do the whole thing, and they're different enough that a trained eye should be able to notice it, but they're similar enough that it's kind of like regular salt and chicken salt, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Um, and so, um, so people could go and have this procedure done, but actually not ever right. develop an immunity to anything useful. Yeah. Except maybe chickenpox, which they is not going to help them particularly in surviving. Um, but then in 1762, something came up called the Suttonian method. And there was a Dr. Sutton um, developed a new method, mm. which he kept secret. And he's like, I'm sitting on something. I'm sitting on some gold here. He, he kind of saw some of the deficiencies of the old techniques. And he treated apparently over 300,000 people um, in, the, in England. And apparently with really high success and very little... So what was his uh, like twist well, on the method? he never revealed it until he died. And so what, we still don't was, know? Well, we do, because he shared it with his sons, and his sons kind of carried on the, uh, um, the mantle of his, of his Suttonian treatment. Right. And then one of his sons, before he died, wrote a book, and <clears> he <throat> explained what they did. And it was nothing crazy. He just had... A, he was just did a really controlled, and was probably more rigorous than most people. And he was actually a doctor, so he wasn't going around just kind of making this thing up. But right. he used a very mild donor, so a, someone who had a very subtle version of the disease, and just a very subtle, very shallow scratch. So he just made sure that he gave, that it sounds like he just more controlled than most people. Okay. So it wasn't really revolutionary. Um, but there was tons of people out there doing this but thing. But there was a procedure that was now almost like a protocol. Of yeah, sorts, so now there's right? like the Suttonian method. So him yeah. and his sons were kind of, but it had essentially kind of a patent on it by yeah. keeping it secret, right? They just lodged the patent with themselves <laughs> to tell anyone yeah. and they had carte blanche to do what they wanted and they were essentially the only people who were trusted to use it for a couple of decades in the UK. Um, but the issues, there's still people doing it that weren't them and they were just doing it with less success and the issues of it you know, not being particularly safe were still out there. Um, and it wasn't until probably another 30, 40 years later when Edward Jenner, and Edward Jenner is one of the big names in vaccination that comes right. up. Um, and he was like, well, wait a Bruce's minute. Bruce's lineage? Yes. Right. Yes. He must be. Right. This is like early Kardashian stuff, yes. right? <laughs> uh, he, um, Edward Jenner, uh, later Edwina Jenner. <laughs> he, um, so he had the idea that, um, I think some of the people that had the idea, but he was the first to actually, I think, write about it properly, um, was that, well, if you can use a, a mild version of the disease, um, could you use another version of the disease um, that's not actually active in humans? And so cows get a version of smallpox ah, called cowpox. I see, right. And he's like, well, wait a minute. It doesn't seem as though... We can hang out with cows with cowpox and we... We don't get it. Right. But if we were given a dose of cowpox, does that give it... Are they, the disease is similar enough yeah. that the immune system has overlap. Again, I don't want to be the, the monkey. I don't want to be the, you know, no. the test monkey on that no, one. No, I'm, I'm not taking cowpox. No. <laughs> no. So, um, Sniff this. And so so let, let me just cut you a little bit. Yeah. You don't want to take this chickenpox... Uh, Dennis! <laughs> Always Dennis, Dennis is all up for it. <laughs> Dennis has got smallpox bad. <laughs> so... um. 
Yeah, so he, he did it, and it worked really, really well. And they found that they could basically get rid of all of the issues with all the other smallpox vaccines because they weren't actually giving in with smallpox. And it was like this super, super safe method. And then it was at this point they called the first true vaccine rather than variolation because... It was a, using it's, it's a different, different animal. Type, it was a, yeah. yeah, so it's slightly like a, it's it's different. Like a, and they would inject it, I think, at this point, instead of like putting it under your nose right. and scratching it's your skin. To get, a little formal. This yeah. is something we can start to recognize as real medicine. That's it. Um, and it was Pasteur who kind of built upon that. And now Pasteur was another 50 years or so later. Yeah. And Pasteur worked out that you could... Um, give someone a dead version. So you could basically cook the virus or something. In milk, presumably. In right? milk. You boil it in milk like a, like a chai. Yeah. And then you inject that. pasteurization. Yeah. And that's pasteurization. And that's pasteurization. Yeah. <laughs> We're making all the science up as we go yeah. along. And yeah, so he used the dead version. And so now we have two different ways of doing it. You can have like this live version that's not infectious. That's not the live attenuated version, mm. which may actually answer what you were saying. It's possible that that's what we do. We use versions that we just know can't infect us okay. that are alive. Um, or you do use the dead version. That was the Pasteur edition. So that's all pretty cool, I thought. That's incredible. That yeah. is a really cool history. And I agree with you. This, this was definitely and more this is exciting than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. I was gonna, ready to talk about like Jenny McCarthy and... Rusty's back. Hey, Rusty. All the, the, the anti-vax set. Nah. It's so boring, like yeah. by comparison, right? So yeah, I mean, super- there's nothing much to talk about that. Like there were no. some people. That no, are- no, we talk about it a little bit. It's not like there's just not much to say about it. Actually, no, there is something that's quite cool, and it actually, um, their opinion isn't quite as bad as I thought it was. Right, and I'll we'll go into that. Um, well, I'm about to type in anti-vax into Google, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna see who comes up because I haven't really sort of caught on with this for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I keep wanting to say Jenny. I feel like Jenny McCarthy was a proponent of the anti-vax movement. Yeah, did she write a book about well, it? Well, like, she's got a kid. Not my kids, or whatever. she's got a kid that's autistic, right? And she. Ah, uh, right. What happens is a lot of these kids. They there's a sort of an issue of um, association and causality, right? Where you know autism is usually noticed in kids of a certain age, right? Like when kids start to become verbal, you know, around two or three years old, they start to be able to become. They should be starting to talk a fair bit. Mm. Um, but it's also around the age that you get your vaccinations, a lot of them, I think. So I think there's um, sort of a, a false attribution that people are like, oh, I know what it is. He was fine like six months ago. Then he had his vaccinations and now he's autistic. That's, yeah, well, that's, that's what's that's going right. on. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like, I it, don't It know. couldn't be something genetic or, you know, whatever. Or just anything environmental. Um and you know, it's possible that it's actually viral as well. We're finding that tons of, like, I think we might have mentioned this before, that increasingly a lot of the diseases that we might be seeing in people could be viral related, just viruses that we aren't being able to detect yet. Mm. Uh, I think we're getting better at that. Jim Carrey, apparently anti-vaxxer. Did you know that? Yeah, well, he was dating. De Niro? Jen, he was dating Jenny McCarthy for a while. Remember that? I did not remember. Oh, yeah. oh my God, that's true. Like 10 years ago. Um, Donald Trump is an anti-vaxxer, would you believe? Don't believe it. Alicia Silverstone, who... No, not Alicia. Yeah. I was actually Cher. thumbing through her cookbook literally two days ago. No. Yeah, Why? 100%. You, had, you have it? I, I saw it. I was like, Alicia Silverstone? I remember Alicia Silverstone. Started thumbing through the book. She was a, she she was a dish. Oh, yeah. Clueless days. Yeah. Um, she'd be almost 50 now. No, dude. I don't think she... No. I, I think she's a lot younger than you think she is. She can't, well, Clueless was what? 93? 91? No. Like, not... I'm going to say 95 at the absolute earliest. Really? 
Really? Yeah. If only I had some kind of mechanism to check. You're 95, you're right. <sighs> God damn you. And she damn was, you. And so 95, I was 13. I think she she was probably like 17 or 18 when it came out. So she's only like five years older than, than we are. All right, how so old? I'm going to say she's 42. <laughs> he types it in. Um, hell, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. <laughs> Guestimator. She's 42. Yeah. I'm just, nice. just felt I'm about nice. right. <laughs> just felt about right. Listen yeah. to you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <sighs> All right. I don't think I'm going to doubt you on those matters <laughs> ever again. And that's why I go to Trivenites with you guys, that's right? True. You know why I go. Yeah. You need me. Um, yeah, Alicia Silverstone, Janet Elfman. Where's she been in the last twenty years? Um, Not a lot. I don't, I but Robert Gregg, was... Bill Maher, Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher's kind of yeah, dude. He's he's a bit of a fear monger. No, but he's a bit of a fear monger for some things. You've seen that, right? He tends to get stuck in some weird ideas, oh. and he's a bit of a libertarian as well. Right? He doesn't like being told what to do. Billy Billy Corgan. Okay, I'm out. I'm out. Well, of Billy Corgan's a, but anyway. a bit. Yeah. Anyway, do you know? I mean, we've heard about anti-vax for so long, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, it just it just causes autism. Do you have any idea? What are the stats on it, though? I mean, oh well, they there was a oh there was a really good paper that was published. Um, pre, I don't have it written down here. It was published just I think it was 2014, mm. and I think they had like 1.2 million children. It was a meta-analysis, right? So they, they combined all these other studies. I think it was 1.2 million kids, and they kind of, they controlled for so many different variables. And it was kids getting the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, mm. which is like the most common kids' vaccine, the MMR. I don't know what age you get that. Yeah, sure. Read about that, but whatever. Yeah. You, we've, we've both had it. Yeah. Um, and the reason to not get it, no, if you don't get it, if you, get, if you especially if you have, um, if you get measles or mumps or rubella, uh, while you're pregnant, it can really mess up your kid. Right. Like it can be, can be awful um, for an in, in utero child um, if you have a like a, a rubella uh, or a mumps. Uh, that that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So it's a pretty big deal just in terms of like it's not just about like infections how, in in pregnant mothers obviously. Yeah. Do, does like people get measles, mumps, or rubella all the time? I mean, yeah. We we clear it, but an infant. There's also a, the, the cytomegalovirus. I was actually doing some research into that. In terms yeah, of is that the same? And yeah, yeah, giving. Yeah, kids. so that's the major concern I think yeah. for these things. So when people are like, "What's the big deal?" Like you get you get measles. People get measles all the time. Yeah, it's like it's a pretty devastating outcome. Um, anyway, so yeah, why do you think people are against it? Well, um, against vac. Getting- yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, what well, do you think? What do you like besides because like, they don't some quite get the science, and that, that, well, they don't get the science. Yeah, and when they hear just a smidgen of the science, it's like, so how does vaccinations work? It's like if they heard the first three seconds of this whole podcast, it'd yeah. be it's like, oh, you get injected with the virus. It's like that's as soon as you hear that. Yeah, it sounds like you're getting infected with the virus, right? And yeah. why would I want to inject my child with a virus, a live virus? You said, yeah, but okay, but here's the thing. It's, yeah, that makes sense, right? So I think that's probably why. So people yeah, are- it is. You understand why there's like like a an intrinsic a, a knee jerk fear mm. of it, right? Totally, and that's what was there 300 years ago. This yeah. idea that yeah, this is definitely dangerous. This could go really really badly. Mm. Um, but that's not what people talk about, right? In the news now, it's all about autism. Autism, yeah. So, what is getting a small version of measles or the flu shot have to do with autism? 
You tell me. Well, I never made the link. Because we also just go like, oh, yeah, they don't want it because it just sounds dangerous. Hmm. That's actually, I went to like the main Australian anti-vax website and they don't talk about being afraid of the actual vaccination itself at all. So they're like, it's totally like the actual process. They don't seem to have a problem with the disease Hmm. or how it's been delivered. The issue is that to actually give you the vaccination, there's a lot of other compounds in the vaccination as well as the virus, the dead virus, right? Um, Amongst those are metals. So either mercury or aluminum sometimes. And for some reason, they kind of potentiate the body's reaction Mm. to the neutered virus they they give you. So they give you a very, very small dose of the virus. They give you some little aluminum or some some, Mm. uh, mercury. And for some reason, it kind of jumpstarts the uh, the immune reaction. The fear is that if you get these heavy metal, these metals, mm. mercury is heavy metal, aluminum is not a heavy metal. Any tungsten? I don't know. I get turned on. Aluminum mercury is the one that people are quite concerned about. Okay, fair enough. And the concern is that if you get it in your brain, that That's it can cause when... brain damage. I got it. Uh, and so there's all these, these papers going on about how um, heavy metals in the brain um, can cause autism. And that is the major fear. Now, those are, and, and how does it get there? Have you heard the blood-brain barrier? I have. Yeah. 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 So the, the blood-brain barrier is how we keep bad stuff. We, we keep a pretty sterile environment in the brain, right? So you have your brain cells. There's not a lot. There's a, some fluid in there. And that fluid has got some protein, but it's pretty empty, right? Mm. Um, you don't want... There aren't many immune cells in there, really, because there shouldn't be any bacteria because it's such a like hermetically sealed environment, more so than your blood vessels or anything else, right? Like it's a super, super clean area. Mm. Um, but the concern is that when the immune cells attack um, the incoming um, vaccination, so you get vaccinated, you get a, that small that reaction, small, uh, yeah. blood cells go in and try and attack it. What they do is they try and chew it up. They ingest that the cells will actually pick up that metal into it. Go back to the brain. And then those cells will go to the brain and then they can release that in the brain. Okay. Now, there's a few problems with that before we end the show. The BBB. The, yeah, so there's a few problems. Number one is that the dose of metal that you get in these um, in these injections is like way lower than... We, we, we take mercury and aluminum and all these metals on a daily basis in our food, right? Yeah. It's a lot less. But they claim that one's in like nanoparticle size and one's in like... like um, Whatever. Like dissolved or like ionic form. Okay. And they say one is like definitely dangerous and one... Like you could have way less of this particulate version that's injected and that's like crazy dangerous but like they turn a blind eye to like all the aluminum that you would eat in like your cereal or that you're morning. ingesting just from like being Licking on the main pants. road or you know <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> looking aluminum tubes yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we yeah, do exactly like whatever right um so that doesn't make it that doesn't like hold a lot of water scientifically yeah um in fact like nanoparticles or like small little like lumps of it should be less of a problem than like dissolved metal mm. but Whatever. That's interesting. They've tried to be scientific yeah, with their very unscientific... What it, what it feels like, right, is like you have a knee-jerk reaction of this is dangerous. Yeah. And then someone's like, well... A post-hoc scientific explanation. Totally. Was, right? Where someone's like, oh, don't be afraid because the virus is not even really a virus anymore. Yeah. And it's only good and no one... You cannot get a virus from this. We have the data on that. They're like... Ah, metals. Yeah, but it must be the metals. Yeah. It's the other It's the other thing. So it's, it's the injection we don't like. Not even the thing. It's really interesting that, that mm. they've post-hawked it. 
Um, but the other major problem is that uh, the cells they claim cross the blood-brain barrier to get into the brain, to deposit them and do all the damage, they don't cross it. They, they just can't. They can't fit. They can't squeeze through it. Right. Like, if you have those... It's a pretty, I'm seeing some kind of a, like, I don't know, cheesecloth where yes. some things kind of get through. It's and, a semi-permeable membrane. Yeah. Yeah. And so the white cells, they just don't go through, really. Um, and if they do, you've got bigger problems. You've got other problems going on. Yeah. Like, you don't have to worry about developing autism. You probably have like meningitis or something. Um, so, yeah. So that's interesting. So the anti-vax movement has a sort of different perspective than I expected. I wonder how big it is in Australia. Is it a big thing in Australia? Well, this... I know it's well, a big thing in America because... You, I don't well, know. maybe that's just because we got the... I don't know. But I did read that they... Um, that apparently there is a big problem now where there is a resurgence of some of these childhood diseases that are normally prevented by like this. Ugh, so there's enough kids that are not being vaccinated now that we're starting to see some of these things come through. Well, so. one, of, one of our subsequent episodes we have to do on fluoridation, on water fluoridation. Because yeah. certainly in the northern parts of New South Wales, there's a, a sect of of um very hyper kind of super progressives that yeah. love getting on board all this kind of stuff all the um, conspiracy type theories scientific or otherwise yeah um and involved in that is anti-vaxxing presumably and certainly the um anti-fluoridation of the water and so as we'll find out they've got huge well, problems with dental caries and stuff in that i'm from LGA. an anti-fluoridation committee myself where's your, where how are your teeth your teeth look all right <laughs> they're fine <laughs> I brushed them. Uh, but I think that's any other any you got any other questions? Anything else? Uh, any questions for you? I think that's summed. I think that was a really good little um, breakdown of yeah. the history of vaccination. Moment of a moment of history, it. right? That was great. But isn't it great to see this East actually going into Western medicine hmm. and us being like, "Yep." And then we found out. Then we knew why it worked eventually, uh, and we figured it out. There's a real reason for it. But initially, it was just like we just we we. Took it at face value, and if it worked, it worked, and that became science. That is science itself. Yeah. The scientific method. So, for those people who think that there's science and there's alternative medicine, if it works, it, it is, is science. science, my friends. It is. It is. It's just medicine. It's quite the moral of the story. Uh, we'll leave it there for Jeremy Zion. Until next week. Until next week, my friend. Adios. That's been good. Jeremy Zion podcast at Gmail. Signing out.